What up, what up, what up, everybody? I am Steve from Integrated Health Sciences, and I would like to welcome you, Bo Babanko, to the show. How are you doing today, Bo? He is doing phenomenal, and I have a feeling that his audio is off for some reason. I'll start talking for him. Steve, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Not a problem. Happy to help. So I will tell my version of how I know Bo, and then I'm going to let Bo chime in, obviously, on his entire story and take us through. So I simply know Bo because he is really good at what he does. Um, a lot of people have shared with me his post, shared with me his insight, and they've taken me all the way through. And I've gotten to learn a lot from him, which has been really, really Hello? Nice. Yep. Are you're we on air? Good. Am I missing something? Yep. You should be all good. Just make sure everyone can hear us. And so I know Bo because he is, like I said, really good at what he does. He has good insight. He was kind of ahead of the curve. Steven. We'll say on, Bo, can you hear me? If anyone wants to drop a little message, let, let me know if you can hear both of us just real quick. And I'll keep telling the bio. So Bo is one of the first people who I think took that. I'm not sure what's happening. To Can anyone hear me? In the text so chat. We can. Not sure what so we. Oh, I can't hear him. It's weird. So the best part of being a physical therapist is that you can be very versatile, which is really nice. And Bo appears to, and I'll kind of let him chime in on how he got to the point where he's at, but he ended up getting into the strength world and really has changed a lot of people's lives via strength. So Give me one second. I'm going to try and see if I can get him on with his audio right now. And let's see how this goes. Hey, I'm going to tell my story. Not sure why I can't hear you, though. Uh, your video seems to have gone off. So, um, yeah, my story is a little weird without seeing you. Um, but I grew up in the Brooklyn, uh, New York City. Uh, just play a little sports, football, quarterback. Uh, played one year of college football. Uh, decided I wasn't going to make it as a pro and wanted to work with athletes. Uh, so decided to... Uh, choose what's going on, um, different pathways. I did orthopedic surgery, chiropractic, athletic training. Uh, I was actually an EMT for a little while uh, to get college credit, but also to, to explore that path of working with humans. Um, so it was, it was a fun journey. Um, it was actually working with the orthopedic surgeon that um, I saw, I was like, definitely don't want to do orthopedic surgery. Uh, I wish I would have seen some surgeries. Maybe that would have changed my mind, but I got to see him in office with, you know, going in, in and out of each room, five minutes in each room. Hi, Mrs. Johnson. I'm just going to drain some stuff out of your knee. 
as it's big and swollen, go into the next room. Uh, hi, Mr. Jones. Uh, we're going to, your knee hurts. Okay, cool. We're going to inject this thing into your knee. You know, how the kids great, but I just saw it wasn't really for me. So, um, but it was one of the patients and he said, you're going to have total knee replacement. This is around 2001. Um, the first time I heard of this, but basically after you have your knee replacement, he's walking her through the surgery and the procedure afterwards, you're going to work with our physical therapist over here. Uh, not me, but whoever he was referring to. And, um, that sounded like fun. The way he described the physical therapy thing, you're going to do some exercises. We're going to get you strong. Um, and that sounded like fun. So I said, let's, let's, let me follow that up. I did some, um, interviewing with, um, I, I did some interviewing with, uh, and, and interning with physical therapists. So that was, um, again, kind of click. I like this. Let's stick with this. Follow that career path. So 2008, I get my doctorate. Um, I went on a bit of a, a wild journey with uh, my career. I kind of went the traditional route initially in a, in a clinic, busy clinic in Manhattan, um, insurance based. So I was seeing, you know, with uh, uh, as, as I was new starting out, see, we were seeing like 30 people a day. Um, and it was a very fast, very, very, you know, high, high uh, volume clinic. So it, it was a lot going on. Um, and I kind of could see like this is not sustainable long term. This is also not necessarily the best way to, to go about this. Um, so, um, you know, little by little, I, I moved away from that. Uh, I did find CrossFit and the fitness space a little bit more, which is something I was always kind of involved in, in, in that sense. And then um, as I moved toward that direction, a bunch of different opportunities came up to open up a CrossFit gym, um, to move away from the traditional physical therapy model. This is around 2010, 11. Um, eventually got an opportunity to go run a gym in Dubai, CrossFit gym, as I got deeper into that CrossFit space. And, and that was a very cool uh, chance to go do that. Um, before that, I also got to work for a celebrity as his private physical therapist flying around in private jets with him. So uh, again, very diverse kind of <laughs> time uh, in my career, very uh, different than most physical therapists I think you'd talk to. Um, and so uh, whatchamacallit, the eventually led me to after coming back from Dubai um, doing I started doing more stuff this is around 2017 so like three years ago um, I connected with this company called active life and and we started doing a lot more stuff um, online and working with clients online and and I really like this concept and it lined up with things I've been looking for um, in my path in my career of uh, you know being able to actually follow up and do more work with folks um, that again, we can have that back and forth again, you know, social media is fun and checking in on people's Instagram is fun. But if I can actually say, Hey, how were those squats? How did that go? Rather than again, traditional physical therapy, say, Hey, you're doing, you're going to do three sets of 10 of these, you know, yellow band things and go off and do that. And maybe we'll see you next week or, or however often. Um, but you don't have that constant communication. I think that's kind of vital for progressing and making things, um, kind of move in the right direction faster and more efficiently and, and kind of whole picture wise, um, especially if we want to start talking about sleep, nutrition. Um, I know you guys talk about uh, all those pillars. I think you have eight of them. Um, so I, 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 I've only had like five and Richard and I talk about this. I think he only had four. And I think a lot of different people, um, you know, we can certainly debate on the semantics of some of that stuff. And I think, but at the end of the day, we're all speaking a lot of the same language. So, so it's, it's been a lot of fun um, with that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what, what got me here. Uh, I'm here in California, so I'm doing online stuff. I'm doing concierge, in-person stuff, um, helping people work with their like long-term fitness goals. That's my ideal client. Is somebody who who's like, you know what, 20 years from now, I want to 
you know, avoid surgery. I want to um, be able to run around and, and get everything better and feel good and be able to do the things and be a useful part of my family, be a useful member to society um, and not be limited in any way physically. So that's kind of where um, I, I work with folks to, to get them feeling better, but also performing better. Um, so, and again, I think it lines up with a lot of the stuff I've seen you guys posting, which is why I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation. So, um, let's see, let's see if we can fix some of this audio. Yes. No, maybe <laughs> throwing it back. Yeah. So that, that is really here um, and it almost sounds like, how do I log out? Bo ended up in a similar place to myself, but just taking a very different means. So it sounds like CrossFit was more a part of his picture, which obviously involves the strength community, the fitness community. Um, but it's interesting, too, to hear that he has landed on some of the same, as we call them, our eight foundations of health. That's our hydration, diet, sleep, stress, exercise, ergonomics, breathing and connection. And the reason why everyone lands on those things consistently, whether they're in health or whether they're in strength training, is because they work. Um, they tend to stack up in the research consistently, time after time, and that's why people gravitate towards them. And it's not like we're reinventing the wheel, but in general, you can go back far into even the Eastern Hemisphere as far as traditional Chinese medicine. Traditional Chinese medicine was looking at the whole body long before anyone else. If you want to talk about regional interdependence, which is simply physical therapists saying like, oh, it's your shoulder, but maybe we should look at your middle back. That sounds mind blowing to certain PTs at a certain time. But in general, that was the traditional Chinese medicine model back in the day. A thing that a lot of people don't know is that TCM used to include Tai Chi. They had a movement practice as well, but no one, because we're Americans, like to have their acupuncturists then tell them to go do certain exercises and certain movements. So it's interesting. We've kind of, because of what we like to consume as Americans, passive modalities, passive modalities, passive modalities, have decided to take what we like of TCM and then put it on the side. But it all works together. And they figured that out a long time before we did, that movement, health, holistic health, and then really looking at the body as far as movement, not in isolation, but as a whole chain, it really is something that works. But would you would you say that you've that you abide by those rules as well? That you kind of can't divorce movement from global health from anything else. It, it's kind of one body. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Steve. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's something that uh, again, I think we we have to keep preaching. Um, you know, I I found in my company, which I didn't really talk about in my bio, but it's called Fit Care Physio. Um, and it's it's the combination of fitness and healthcare because again our current healthcare system is is something that uh, we I call symptom care or sick care right you go in you have back pain okay cool let's do an MRI on your back let's do X-ray on your back let's put let's give you a medication on your back let's do an injection on your back and never looking at up or downstream um, and and I think that a lot of this stuff is uh, over the last 10, 15 years um, in in more in the physical therapy side hopefully but but uh, overall medicine. We're starting to kind of see that. And I don't know how long it's going to take for, again, if you go to your doctor, your general practitioner, and they say, hey, go see Stephen and, and uh, you know, Dr. Stephen. I don't know. I don't know what they call it. <laughs> but Massive. go see. Massive. <laughs> yeah. Go see Stephen and, um, 
you know, he's going to take a look at your hip and your foot and he's going to put all these pieces together. That's what Stevens can do. And, and having that kind of big picture, like you said. So I'm totally, totally uh, in agreement with that for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's like kind of when I describe it, especially to newer clinicians, being able to have someone, a doctor say like, it's your supraspinatus tendon or it's your long head of your biceps. I get why that feels good to the ego, but it's almost like a detective being like, hey, everybody, gather around. I found the criminal. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I found the victim. Like I found the victim. I found the woman whose purse got robbed. Like everyone congratulate me. Like you're the, detec- the detective's supposed to find the criminal, not the victim. And we've become so good at zeroing in on finding that victim that we aren't really looking for the criminals as much. And you can only spend so much time wisely. And so that's where I'm, I think it's really nice that you're seeing a shift. Um, Functional medicine is becoming really popular. People are genuinely starting to realize that maybe their sleep matters, um, that their stress level, maybe it matters, maybe sitting at a desk for seven hours strapped matters. And you're starting to really see a more robust diagnosis that not as just like, we call it our PFP diagnosis model, but like pathology, impairment, pattern, all sitting on a biopsychosocial model. So let's take that right into our first question here. How do we measure fitness, Bo? Talk to us. And, and yeah, um, it, it's a tricky question. And that's why I chose it as, as the first one there. Um, and that's what Richard and, and, and myself have been on a few podcasts. Uh, anyone who wants to check that out, it's the Move Evolution um, podcast. And um, yeah, we, we, we dive some pretty deep into it. And it's a question of um, how do we measure fitness? Again, I come from that CrossFit space where we talk about work capacity over broad time and modal domains. We want it to be observable, measurable, repeatable. Um, so again, if we say, what's your one mile time? That's one measure of fitness, right? Or, or part, a data point we can plot there. So to the point as you were talking and, and the thing that come, jumps out to me is, uh, again, this has to be a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to understand and, and you as a patient or client need to understand when we talk about your fitness, what does it mean to you? So even with Richard, he started out his podcast for, about drum therapy and for drummers. Um, and, you know, he talked about drumming fitness. So I, you know, I don't know if I could sit there and, and play the drums um, for an hour. Um, and you know, will my hands take that, whatever. Right. So for, for that specific task, what is our fitness? So everyone's going to have a slightly different fitness, but then there's also, you know, the things that we more or less agree upon. Um, there's, there's also, and one thing that's, that got me really into CrossFit actually was the fact that they had this very like clear definition. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, if we have a hundred workouts, you know, if you beat me on 49 of the workouts, but I win 51 of them, I'm fitter than you. Yeah. So, you know, and, but that's what it is. And then we'll do a hundred more and maybe, you know, we keep going. And, and that's the idea is, you know, if, if you're a really good triathlete, you can run really long, bike really long and swim really long, but mm-hmm. I can do more pushups than you. I can do more of this. I can do, you know, I can, I can deadlift more. So oh, 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 talking with my hands too much. Um, so you're not Italian. Yeah. 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 This is a Brooklyn. It's where I grew up. Um, so yeah, the, the idea there is, is that, that that really got us going with, with that. Um, and then how do we transfer that to, again, a conversation with um, a 70-year-old who just had a stroke um, and, and saying, what, you know, what is your capacity in the traditional physical therapy space? It's 
you know, the timed up and go test, which is, you know, you're going to stand up, you're going to walk 10 feet, you're going to circle and come back and sit down. And the, the length of time that takes you is something that we're going to use to measure your fitness and uh, what is your risk of falling and things like that. So, um, you know, we, we're going to talk about a little later, I guess, but grip strength, leg strength, the ability to get up and down off the floor, all these data points are things that we can put together and create a, a, an avatar of Stephen Horney um, and say, overall, your score is 72 out of 100 or whatever that number is, right? Um, another part of the CrossFit thing that, again, nobody's really quantified and it's very difficult to quantify, but there's 10 general physical skills that CrossFit speaks about specifically. Um, I think maybe we're, not, you know, knocked it down to 10 just to make it a nice, you know, 10 commandments, 10 everything, right? Um, but it's agility, accuracy, coordination, balance, endurance, strength, speed, stamina, flexibility. Uh, I think that was all 10. I might have missed one there. Power? Did I say power? Power is another one. But yeah, we can measure all that. So again, if you take a really good yogi and a yogi master, um, you know, how fit are they? Uh, they might even have some strength, but they don't necessarily have a lot of power because they don't really train any power. In fact, a lot of their practice lowers their power. So their overall score, um, and again, they don't necessarily train, you know, we could argue whether they train endurance or things like that, but there's all sorts of ways we can look at all 10 of those. Again, accuracy is a tough one to measure. Are we going to measure dart throwing? Um, or again, in CrossFit, you know, you're doing wall balls. So you're throwing a 20 pound ball for males to a 10 foot target. Um, and can you hit, sorry, that's my dog in the back. She's all right. She's okay. She doesn't agree with the wall ball thing. Wall balls. Get her, get her <laughs> like all anyway. Yeah. So bottom line is to, to kind of sum it all up. We have all these, we need to ha keep having these conversations and keep looking at these things as a coach. If I'm working with a client, I'm looking at all this. I don't have that number yet because I think it's, it's just such a big system to say, hey, again, your score is 72 and we need to get you to 73 and here's how we're going to do it. Um, and if you can get to 80, then we know that we, we, you know, you're going to be so much better at everything you want to do. You want to run a marathon. Cool. You could do a marathon. You want to go do the Spartan race. You can do the Spartan race. So it's, it's about coming back to and another aspect of CrossFit. And again, I, I talk about CrossFit a lot because I, I want to give them credit for these things. But saying the word CrossFit, I think, throws a lot of people off also. Um, and, and so, but, but it's something that they talk about is, is, uh, we want to identify your weaknesses physically. So again, like the Yogi, I'm going to say, Hey, why don't we add in some weightlifting for you? Um, I'm sure, you know, Christopher Johnson, anyone out there listening, one of the top physical therapists in the triathlon space, especially, and he's always pushing that, that envelope. And it's something he's been preaching of, Hey, it's great to run, bike, swim, but we need to add in, and you're going to be so much better at those three things. And a lot of traditional triathletes are scared to lift weights because they think it's going to make them bulky and slow them down. But it's actually going to improve the health of your joints um, and things like that. So, um, And again, I, I'll give Kelly Starrett a lot of credit. I, I love his work. I'm a big fan of his. Again, some people for various reasons don't like him, but that's another story for another day. Um, but but uh, some of the quotes I like that he throws out there, and he you know he's giving credit to other people, but I'm going to give him the credit for like you know, all these different, uh, yeah, exactly branches. But, um, you know, when we stop jumping, we start dying. Um, you know, you're only as old as your joints or you're only as old as your spine. So there's all these different classic kind of, you talked about, uh, TCM, uh, yeah, traditional Chinese medicine, um, TCM. So some of those come from some of these Asian cultures and things like that. These are things that we've inherently known for such a long time, um, throughout time that, that, um, you know, again, we, um, we, uh, sorry, Grace just, she can hear Lexi. So she's shouting out Lexi on the chat there. Uh, that's my dog. So, um, yeah. So hopefully that kind of sums it up of, of, again, I don't, there's no clear answer, but at the end of the day, my answer is it's a conversation. 
how do we measure fitness? It's a conversation. But if we're not looking at all these pictures, if we're not coming back to your point of saying like, hey, why does your shoulder not work great? It's not your supraspinatus, even though that's your diagnosis you got. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have a disc bulge. Now you're, that's it. You can't do anything. Um, it's, it's, you know, everyone has a disc bulge to some extent, right? Research shows 72% of people, non-symptomatic people. Um, I feel like non-symptomatic now is a very different meaning with COVID <laughs> and everything, asymptomatic and all that. But um, yeah. Pretty so, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, the, the how do we measure fitness is a conversation. It's an evolving thing. Um, it depends on you as an individual. So if you're a physical therapist, I want to know that, you know, you can handle a day of treating manual therapy, uh, you know, for a number of hours um, on top of, hey, you want to go hiking, you want to go surfing. We need to know that, you know, you have X, Y, Z um, for that. And then we're going to have that conversation. Can you see how having stronger legs helps you be a better surfer and a better physical therapist, right? Um, you know, so that that's the conversation that, that I think how we measure it becomes. Yeah, and I think that that it takes into account a, a few different worlds, which is really nice. So what you're mentioning there, it, 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 that last bit in particular is actually the occupational therapist's model versus physical therapist. Um, people think of occupation and they think of, oh, I'm sitting at their desk. But occupation is, frankly, anything that has meaning to you. A physical therapist tends to more look at, can this person do steps? Whereas an occupational therapist would say, how many steps do you need to do to get into your house? And let's specifically work on the function of that. And that's an interesting thing. Again, the TCM model, looking at the person as a whole, oh, mind-blowing 10 years ago. Now, luckily, people are starting to talk about it. But I think what you said puts my mind in the right place. So, So we've talked to yoga instructors and personal trainers, and we put them through our eight foundations of movement, which is our physical assessment that assesses the lowest hanging fruit that we'll see, tight toes, tight ankles, uh, tight hips, weak core, weak hips, all the things that we generally look for. One of those things is balance. And it's always interesting, like a single leg balance test, standing 20 seconds, eyes open, 10 seconds, eyes closed, very standard. Trainers and runners, unfortunately, don't tend to do all that great on that. You would hope that runners would do really well because they have so many single leg falls. The the definition of running. (laughs) Exactly. And I think Chris Johnson, if you obviously like I've known Chris forever. It's so funny. Someone put me on a thread once and was like, famous physical therapist, Chris Johnson. I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, he's amazing, but he's famous now. That's awesome. That's good to know. So famous physical therapist, Chris Johnson does a ton of single leg holds in static because I think he recognized in the running community that even though that's what they're repetitively doing, they can't actually control it in single leg stance. And I like that you gave such a robust conversation to put the framework of fitness in because again going back to our trainers that we teach and to our yoga instructors the yoga instructors would really do well to get into the gym and do a little bit more load and the trainer that can barely wipe his own ass needs (laughs) to get into the yoga studio unfortunately i think people want to feel good And they want to be instantly gratified and rewarded for what they're doing. I think it goes back to like when we're kids and we just want to be like told that we're cool and that we're good at stuff and whatever. And unfortunately, it leads people to feed their strengths and neglect their weaknesses. What do you think about that, Bo? 
Yeah, I was actually, I'm actually reading or audio booking now. I don't know if there's a better verb for that, I guess, but, but yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm listening to a book about uh, kind of those beliefs and it's talking more about politics and religion and how, you know, why do all these, there's nice people, there's good people on both sides, you know, not using that term for anyway, but, <laughs> um, but the point is, uh, yeah, I think to your point, again, people find yoga and they're like, this is it. And it's mm -hmm. so easy for the brain. And the, the book is looking at uh, the way we develop, our brains develop, we, we develop morality, we develop all these things. But that, that's the thing is we, we, we have to be, okay, we're liberals. Like I'm a liberal, that's it. I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, or I'm a Republican, I'm conservative. Anything over here is against me. So it becomes the same thing with yogis or you know, even personal oh, trainers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, this, this was a big thing in CrossFit um, where you know, it was a cult. People are calling it a cult because they're like, I found the thing. Like, I love this thing and I'm spending all my time in this thing. And, um, and you know, and you're at a party and what are you going to talk about? CrossFit. Like, I do, hey, what's your friend time? Like, you know, we're doing this 30-day food challenge. Like, it'd be, but that's the thing. And, and I think uh, at the end of the day, it's, again, these conversations that we want to have and where we can break down barriers of you're a yogi, I'm a CrossFitter. Like, where do we intersect? Um, can we have that conversation? Just like Republicans and Democrats, again, there's so much going on in, in the country right now. Um, there are other parties and other things, and you can be not those things. Uh, as soon as you question one, you become the other. And it's like, well, I don't really put myself in that box. But same thing with the, phys the fitness space and the movement practice. So that's the, the part where, again, I think when we talk about measuring fitness and one of my missions is getting people to understand that you have this movement practice and the analogy I use, and, and uh, you can steal this. I know you're going to like it. So it's movement uh, literacy. So just like we teach kids the alphabet, we teach them, you know, uh, higher levels of English, the language. When you eventually, maybe if we call the highest level of English, you know, Shakespearean performance, mm -hmm. uh, whatever that is, but mastering the English language um, is something that we have to build those blocks on. The same thing with movement. So if you don't know how to hinge, um, and I think this goes to your eight uh, principles of movement or you have tight toes and like all these things do matter and they're the same as like you don't know how to enunciate um and so therefore we can't quite get to shakespeare what you're trying to do by doing a spartan race and again maybe you can get on stage and you know wherefore art thou romeo you can get by with that but then when it comes to the rest of it like the reviews aren't going to be great so we want to get <laughs> you prepared for shakespeare and and getting the right review and give doing justice to that just like the movement practice where again Great. You want to go do uh, F45 or again, with the lockdown that, that um, you know, has been going on, um, you want to do an online fitness class. And again, you're doing little squats um, and but you've never been assessed or screened or talked about the squat or the foundation of the squat. So, again, you're up there and you're probably possibly doing more damage. So we could you know, we get into that whole argument of, uh, you know, is, is it better that you're doing some kind of movement and you're not on the couch? Great. You know, we're doing something, but again, can we get your squat to be better? And can you get so much more return on investment? Um, and that's the other way I look at, and, and again, talk about long-term fitness is, is it's, it's a retirement account. So that's what, you know, people keep asking, like, why do you keep working out? Why do you work out so much? Why do you work out so hard? Um, it's so that, you know, 90 year old me can still run around and, and, you know, uh, play with, play with my grandkids, um, and, you know, chase the younger ladies at 70 or what have you. So, um, <laughs> You know, so that that's that's kind of part. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I drifted. I, I I rant and rave and go on tangents, but I think we're in the ballpark there. No, that was perfect. And I actually want to ask you. So when you put up this question, my first actual the two thoughts that came into my mind were resting heart rate as far as getting that 
we say 60 or below, but I understand that that can change for different ages, but like a reasonable number to talk about. So I want to know how that plays into your mind. And then also just like a tip, like a 12 minute run test or mm-hmm. for VO, for right. a quick and dirty. Co- Cooper. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a <laughs> Cooper, a modified Cooper, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like how do those enter into your mind as far as answering the question that you asked? Totally. Um, those are great correlates and I like to have those as other data points, just like, you know, how long can you hold the bottom of a front squat Mm -hmm. at, you know, whatever the weight is. So, and there's formulas and things like that, that I have. And I mean, we could certainly talk about each one Mm -hmm. of those. How long can you hang? And I know Richard talks about this, our our buddy, Richard Simister, uh, we talked about earlier. Um, and he's looked at, there's so many different systems and it's all about what again is relevant to each of us. So yeah, resting heart rate is a great one to check first thing in the morning. Grip strength, which is one of the other questions, um, yeah. is something that's great to look at. And again, it's, it's, there's the normative values, but there's also, are we getting better at it? So again, if I work with somebody who's, who's a little overweight or is on five different medications, especially something like a statin, which is so common these days for cholesterol, um, I'm looking at, cool, we can look at your resting heart rate and maybe it's 75 right now, which is not where we want it to be. But that, those are all metrics that for him, I might look at for someone uh, like Richard, who's pretty, pretty healthy, mm-hmm. um, you know, for his 50 something. I, I don't think he minds us sharing his age, but um, he, he, for him, like resting heart rate may not be as important. It's something good to check in on, um, you know, but it might not be worth the time because we only have limited time. So again, for folks like that who are super motivated, mm-hmm. Um, it's great to give, you know, get all this data and, and keep doing that. But again, when we're coming back to, um, the, the average Joe or the average client, um, you know, it's hard enough to get them to do five minutes of exercise a day. You know, they need to be super motivated to do it. I, I might need to send them a text message when I have my concierge clients who are paying me a bit higher, uh, Mm -hmm. higher number, uh, monetarily, they, you know, that part of that is me checking in on them and being like, Hey, did you do your exercise? Hey, you know, send me pictures of your food all the time. Um, mm-hmm. so do I want to be asking them to also get a resting heart rate thing? You know, again, some of those might work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's still a formula that I think is far from perfect. Um, but that, uh, I'll, I'll shout out another, um, influence for me or, or hero is John Berardi. If you know, precision nutrition, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's the main guy in his book, I think. No, I don't have it right here. Um, change maker. No, yes, change maker, not the vegan propaganda thing. Cha- game changer. Yes, I always confuse. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, but John Berardi talks a lot about the change psychology. So again, what do I have to do to connect and get you motivated and keep you motivated? Um, a lot of that comes back to values assessment, which is something that that I get into with, with a lot of clients of. You know, you say you want to lose 20 pounds. A, why is it not 19? Why is it not 21? And like, then we go down the rabbit hole of, well, what, well, why really? It's like, well, you know, maybe we get down to, I want to be healthier. I want to be there for my grandkids. Maybe it's, um, you know, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, find my wife and I want, I want to look good for my potential partner or whatever. Um, and, and we keep going down that rabbit hole and it's like, well, all you really need to do is, you know, change X, Y, Z. And now that we've gotten that, like now we've gotten to the real root of what it is. And Hey, if we really need to, like, you want to walk your daughter, granddaughter down the, the aisle, cause she's getting married in two years. Like, you know, here we can connect those dots and it's like, Hey, you're not doing the things that you said. And we agreed upon that you need to do to do this thing. That's you said is very important to you. And we need to make sure that that is the thing that's most important to you. It's nice to say that like, yeah, I love my family. Everyone 
wants to say that, but that's actually, hey, when we get down to it and we ask the right questions, that's not the most important thing to you. Again, when we talk about traditional physical therapy, these, this tends to be way past <laughs> something you're doing in, in a you know, 15, 20 minute, you, know, you have to bing, bang, boom, cool, we're getting your back pain. Um, so we can't even talk about the, the biopsychosocial model where it's, it's, you know, yeah, like, do you really want to be, uh, you know, walking your, your granddaughter down the aisle? Is that the thing that, that is really most important to you or is it something else? Um, you know, so why do you want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? You get that answer. Like it's th- because it's there. It's like, yeah. is that really like you have the money, like you need something like what's the thing? So anyway, I'm, I'm doing my rant and rave, but I, I again, we'll come back to you. <laughs> no, that's good. And that you, you, you tip me in the direction we tend to recommend for the younger physical therapists we work with Brett Bartholomew's conscious coaching. Yep coupled with a little bit of understanding of motivational interviewing. Mm-hmm. And that's how we kind of coach people to coach people. Um, and it, it evolves a similar thing as examination of those of that value system, in particular, letting that person evaluate their own value system themselves. So moving on, what is wrong with PT these days? Yeah, I think we touched on a few parts of it but unfortunately it's it's the insurance model that seems to be the biggest problem i think anyone in the field understands that and unfortunately people are still beholden to it um for the most part so and it takes a lot of of um chutzpah to <laughs> move past that model um so again i'm sure you know uh for the for the listeners uh danny mata and Atlanta athletes potential. He wrote a book called F insurance with the, the four letter F word there. I'll, I'll keep it PG for, for the kids. <laughs> um, F insurance. And, and yeah, it, it, he kind of calls out anyone still in that model saying, you know, by participating with these insurance companies, you're kind of allowing and facilitating the continued, uh, you know, big brother, like the, the power uh, struggle versus uh, these are the conversations I have to have because a lot of the first questions people ask when they reach out to me to work with me is, do you take my insurance? Um, mm-hmm. And so that that's a conversation that we need to have. So I think that's the what is wrong with PT these days. Again, I think there's strides being made uh, on the other side of it of, you know, the way a lot of people practice. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that unfortunately, there's still people that, you know, and I don't want to call it PT, the profession. I, you know, I chose that question. I've had a lot of these conversations. You know, you get into chiropractors. What's wrong with chiropractors these days? We can certainly go down. And there's a lot of parallels. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's yeah, I think that there's uh, progress being made. There's I'm starting to see a lot more of the right voices. We talk about cash-based physical therapy. And I think actually Chris Johnson, who we talked about, um, he actually called out that term. I forgot exactly why. Um, I don't know if you happen to see that post a few days ago, but he, he didn't even like cash-based physical therapy because you're defining yourself as that, and it's really focusing on that. So, again, I think similar to a lot of the stuff going on, that I, th- I just feel like 2020 is a let's just, let's just reset everything, but let's also, like, destroy everything and maybe recreate. And a lot of the things, hopefully, that, um, you know, it was, and I think, you know, some of the reactions of cancel culture and things like that have gone almost too far in one direction, and hopefully by after the election or whatever, I'm just speaking about America, obviously at this point, but, but um, hopefully as we get coronavirus under control and we go back to normal, um, which, you know, as, as things started, everyone's like, can't wait to get back to normal. I'm like, I think we can do better than normal. Um, So I think that that hopefully again is, is 
let's take a look at all the problems that we're having. Let's have these conversations. And unfortunately, you know, we're almost in this echo chamber of like, I think we agree on the things that are wrong with physical therapy. We're already walking that walk of what needs to be fixed. But the grand scheme is the public perception and, and there's still the bad PTs out there. But um, they're, they're, they're following that model that is, is just, the, you know, that's the system. And, and again, uh, so many outpatient physical therapy clinics have closed down because of coronavirus. So I'm, again, hoping that it's, it's pushed people to, again, focus on what really is valuable to them and, and provide like, hey, this is a time that everyone should be focusing on their overall health, that we should, as physical therapists, be able to say, let's, you know, look at your sleep, let's look at your stress, like, let's work on your breathing, you know, 90 something percent of people that I work with have breathed incorrectly, um, you know, whatever that, yeah, chest breathing and things like that. So it's like, let's do these simple things now. Um, you know, I'm all for, you know, you want to do an at-home workout, great. Like, you know, but the motivation go, comes and goes. But let's build these foundational components that will last us to whatever comes next. And again, for, you know, the, the other pandemic that we're seeing that, you know, I, I don't want to be, again, a conspiracy theorist and it, using some of this language is triggering and things like that. Even that term is triggering and Eric Trump's book. And anyway, um, but but. Um, but yeah, the other pandemic is chronic disease that we've seen on the rise, um, you know, diabetes, heart disease, all these things. And, and just in general, and Joe Rogan's another person I'll shout out that, that keeps talking about this. And uh, he's probably the, the most popular podcaster in the world and, and things like that. But he keeps shouting it out. It's like, no one's talking about let's be healthier humans. I think I saw the UK finally proposing something about uh, they actually want to do a weight loss kind of uh, public push. So when it comes to public health, um, you know, can we do something as a profession as the cash based PT contingent of kind of forward thinking PTs? Can we come together and say, Hey, like, let's, let's get this thing moving in the right direction. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this is something I've been saying for a long time as, as a physical therapist, as a physio is, is I want to be irrelevant. I want, my goal is, is to, you know, have every person I've ever worked with, feel independent, feel like they got all they need. They understand all these movement patterns, you know, the seven primal movement patterns or, or whichever way you want to look at it. And as we keep redefining it and, and whatever, again, works for them. And they feel like they understand their journey through fitness. Um, it's great to have somebody there to be like, hey, you know, I had this little tweak and what do I do about this? Because it's, ne it's never going to be possible. And that's what, again, most doctors should be, um, you know, but every time I get a cough, do I need to like go and run and get checked now for COVID um, versus saying like, you know what, I'm going to take a ginger shot. I'm going to move a little. I'm going to get a little sun. Maybe I need to refocus. Maybe I need to get more sleep. Like, do you have that um, independence and that, that capacity or that um, knowledge base to, to really be moving in the right direction? Yeah. And that's that mentality shift that I hope is going to start to come back is I think as Americans, that passive modality mindset has become very ingrained. Like it's no different when we were all in elementary school learning about fat cats. Like that's who we are becoming. Some of us are more than others, but that's what our culture is really moving towards. And that has its set of pros and cons. And this is one of the cons that ends up happening. The other side of it is as I was preparing our newsletter, it's so interesting talking about echo chambers that when I wrote what I wrote about our newsletter, and if anybody didn't see it, it was just saying like, I really do believe that physical therapists are uniquely positioned to be major players in the solutions to the problems that are plaguing our society. 
But you kind of just remember, like, I, I mean, I, uh, most of my friends that are PTs, perhaps because we're a little bit older or whatever it is, are working for themselves, are out of network or doing cash based, working one hour, one on one minimum with people. And, and that's kind of who I was saying. And I'm not putting anyone down by saying that the physical therapist, like I used to run a place that was in network, out of network. Before that, I worked at a place that was scheduled and you had good support staff, but 20 minute blocks and you were encouraged to, to double book. When people would come to me, and I'm sure you've had this experience and say like, oh my God, Steve, you're so much better than any physical therapist I've ever had before. And then I would ask them, did you ever have physical therapy where it was only one-on-one for an hour and then they would say no it's not an apples to apples comparison right. I, I i should shatter every other pt if right. every other pt that you've seen was one person per 15 or per mm-hmm. 20 or per even 30 it's like minutes. saying it's like saying mcdonald's is a restaurant the same way you know per se a three-star michelin restaurant which costs six hundred dollars a meal <laughs> it's like saying those are not the same thing you get a little bit of what you pay for and and yeah it's unfortunately they're both restaurants yeah it's like these are both physical therapists you get you know okay cool throw some heat stim ice we have our aid they might even give you a little massage and and again like that's what most people think is physical therapy um unfortunately yeah it's it's the rare few that and again it's it, because it's like you said it's 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 there's a lot of friction to oh but my shoulder hurts okay but we're going to work on your neck or we're going to work on your thoracic spine or your hip or your toe like you know and it, it's it is a difficult thing for people to understand they're like but my shoulder hurts you know they go back to that and it's like well okay cool and then and, and that still comes back to the art of like saying okay well let's do this for, so your shoulder feels better um for now and at the same time we're going to work to get the uh the, the criminal not to just the victim to to the analogy used earlier yeah and it's it's exactly that for anyone thinking at home it's the like if your kid keeps on falling down and skinning their knees, you're obviously going to put a Band-Aid on it, of course, but then you're going to start talking to them like, were you running around the corners? Do we need, like, are your shoes burnt out? Like, you're going to, you you take care of the thing, and we should, while concurrently diving as much into the big problems as you possibly can. And that's where when you only have 15 minutes, all you can do is band-aids. All you can do is band-aids. All you can do is band-aids. Where me for an hour, I can do 30 minutes of band-aid and 30 minutes of finding the criminal. So I feel lucky Mm -hmm. to to do that. So kind of leads us into the next thing. Can remote training be as good, if not better than in-person training? Yeah, and I've been practicing that for more than three years now. Um, started in kind of the CrossFit space where, you know, athletes were working with me as a physio to say, hey, like, I want to keep myself healthy. You seem to understand energy systems as well. I, I competed at a relatively high level, um, you know, at the regional level in CrossFit, which is um, there's a worldwide competition. For anyone who doesn't know, the Open, Worldwide Open might have 200,000, 300,000 people. Then if you make it into a certain uh, caliber or, or uh, ranking after that competition, then you go and compete in person, uh, which who knows when we'll see that again. But uh, yeah, so um, and then so I got to compete in that. 
And, and that kind of gave me some credibility there, um, but also on top of the certifications and the, the doctor in physical therapy, which, you know, does, does hold some weight, ho- luckily, and, and mm-hmm. things like that. Sometimes, again, it's, it's especially around the world. This is when I was in Dubai, so I started there. So the online thing started to develop. I built that out a little bit also with, with working with these guys at Active Life, and I continued to, to build the rapport and build these systems out, which is where we talk about defining fitness. The online system just allows me so much more time Again, it's great. I think we can do a lot in one hour, but if I can then follow up with you and if Mm -hmm. I only see you once a month, I can be sending you workouts every single day and having these conversations every single day. Or there's people I don't even ever meet or see in person or ever put my hands on that I'm I'm able to help in in significant ways because uh, kind of what you said before, like they've just they've even gone to see 10 different clinicians and nobody's given them the right answer. Not a single person has looked at or for the criminal. They keep addressing the victim um, and, and just it hasn't worked for the obvious reasons to us, but not to all these other clinicians who either are busy or this is just what they do. They, they're playing the numbers. Um, and, and again, it's unfortunately part of the, the, the second question of what's wrong with physical therapy, what's wrong with the healthcare system. Um, and so the online system I have found, and again, even if I see someone in person and they're willing to see me multiple times throughout the week, um, I actually have a guy in an hour. Uh, once we're out of here, I'm going to see him and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm happy to pay you every single day to come here. And like, I'm like, cool. But I'm like, that's not what you need. Like, you know, I don't want to just take your money. Um, and you don't need me to sit here and like massage you. Like, again, that can help you. But I, I need you because I'm not going to be here uh, forever. So, you know, and if you want someone who's just going to do that, like, I'll get you a massage therapist. I'll get you something else. But lining up with your values, um, lining it up with all that. And so the online system, again, even if I see that guy, I'm trying to get him online so that I can continue to progress and work with him and measure that big system that requires that constant conversation. Um, so, so again, I think the online thing, and again, everyone jumped over to it when the lockdown happened out of necessity. Um, I think we saw a lot of people do it really badly, um, mm-hmm. which again, people were ill-equipped for it. They might be, they might've even been really good marketers and they said, you know, they were able to get you to sign on and pay you money for that, but then they didn't provide the right long-term solution. And again, now they can't give you those quick fixes that like we talked about. So it's, it's, I think that online system is if we have a system in place, if we can have those conversations, if we can get that buy-in, if we can think about these bigger picture concepts, I, I, I honestly think the online system is, is the future. Um, again, that's kind of where the, the whole title of this talk came from is, is fitness, the future of healthcare. I think again, that online model is necessary for that. I think Google even dove into this. They seem to be getting back into the space. I actually just got COVID tested yesterday. Like my brain still hurts because they shoved that Q-tip all the way up my nose. But one uh, of the benefits yeah. of having a huge nose <laughs> is when I got it. I have to share this with you, but like I got, I get tested every week now that I'm starting to, and they put it up there. And like it might be a little uncomfortable. I think any of my buddies from back home who are like made fun of me all through high school for having a beak. Like who's laughing now? Like I, I feel like I was just kind of like, is it even in there? I'm sorry. Excuse me. So uh, my wife would like that joke. There was definitely some jokes there. She's a <laughs> she's a sex and relationship therapist. So oh nice. She's she's well, a, that's what she said kind of girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, I don't even know where I was going with that <laughs> getting tested thing. Um, Google's getting back in the space. Google. So yeah, the place I got tested is free testing. It's not the county. So there's free testing in the counties. And then apparently this is a Google free thing. So I guess they're collecting all my health data. 
Um, and I don't know what they're doing with my DNA and things like that, but, but anyway, they tried Google health at some point. And I think even for a company like Google, it was just too much to say, you know, should we track your resting heart rate every day? Should we do this? Like, what can we do? Nobody has a good definition for this is something when we talked about defining fitness, also coming back to that. Um, I was going to say the American college of sports medicine, the national strength and conditioning association, which are two of the top like fitness, uh, organizations that we have in America. Um, and I guess the world, um, but they, they have really bad definitions of fitness. Their definitions tend to be something, and, and I've looked at it, and again, I put it on the podcast, and I was talking with Richard. I had it up, but it was like the ability to do stuff. Like how good are you at doing stuff, yeah. um, and how do we measure that? And again, that's where CrossFit to me was a cool, like this is observable, repeatable, measurable. We're doing the, <laughs> the, yeah. the same hand signals there. So we went the other way, though. I don't know what happened there. Um, so – yeah, but but that's where it got me excited about it, and um, and yeah, it, it, it's let's take this, let's let's change things up, um, and let's find better ways to to keep defining. And again, the on back to the original, the, the third question we're on here of the yeah. online system is working online allows me to look at all these things. Google hasn't figured it out yet, so you know you're gonna have to pardon us for not having it all figured out yet. But um, again, I think there's so many good things that I've had working with clients online that they're just like, oh wow. Like it, I, I never thought, and there's all sorts of friction. I have, there's a lot of people I talk to and they're like, once they hear, I'm going to work with you online. Cause you're in New York and I'm in, in California. Like they're like, I can't work with you. And I'm like, well, no, here's like the thing. And I work with like 40 people right now around the world that I've never met in person. I have, you know, people in Australia, I have people in the middle East, I have people in Europe, like we can do this thing. <laughs> and just like, again, the cash base, uh, we're going to go outside your insurance. Um, it, it, it's, it's quite a, you know, arm twist to, to get them there um, and, and convince them. And again, I don't want to really be convincing people and, you know, marketing sales. It's unfortunately a part of what we do, but again, like I, I, I to the values factor values um, assessment things, like at some point it's like, this is way too much friction to overcome. And like, we're not going to be a good match. I'm going to send you to a physical therapist in the insurance system who uh, you know, like that's the right thing for me to do because because this is going to take us too long or you're just never going to buy into what I'm saying. So I'm happy to send you to someone who's going to keep addressing your symptoms. Um, and, and like, but again, 10 years from now, you might finally say like, oh, Bo is right. And again, I, unfortunately, I've had a lot of those situations over the years of, you know, I met people and I'm like, hey, like you're probably like, you know, I have a conversation. They ask me about insurance and, th- and then they decide they're not going to work with me for whatever reason. I'm like, okay, like, cool. I'm happy to send you wherever, but, but, you know, like I see what's happening. Um, I'm pretty sure you're going to need surgery in a few years. Like, it's not to scare you. Like I've just seen this so many times before. And I just had somebody, uh, last week, same, same exact thing. I met her a year ago when I first moved out to California. She, she was asking me about her back pain. I was like, yep, yeah, it sounds like you need X, Y, Z. She was like, I don't want to lift weights. I don't want to, you know, change how I move. I do these things. And I'm like, like, okay, like, cool. Like, and, and she also had financial stuff. So I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, cool. Here's the conversation. Cool. A year later, she comes to me and is like, I'm, I'm, I, they told me I need surgery. And like, can you help me avoid surgery? I'm like, it would have been better a year ago. Like yeah. we would have got a year jump start on it, but, but yeah, like, let's see what we can do. Let's assess your movements. Let's, you know, let's, even if you don't, even if, and this is what I talk to a lot of people who eventually probably will get surgery for various reasons. I say the stronger you are, the better your movement literacy that we talked about, like the easier you're going to recover, the better the surgery is going to be for you. So um, again, I, I, I try to get people away from the surgeries. I think most surgeries are unnecessary if we can get the right system in place. But again, I understand the, the like 
cool. Like I did this thing and it fixed me. Like I had, you know, my ACL got torn uh, playing football. I, was, I looked at the research and I knew that getting it repaired, reconstructed was the best thing for me. Like I had a, you know, I had a thing that was ripped inside my knee. Like let's, let's get a different thing in there that that's, you know, going <laughs> to allow me to do the things I want to do, but it's got to be that conversation. It's got to be looking at the data and things like that. So I'm, 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 I'm done. Okay. Sorry. I was, I was ran, rambling. <laughs> yeah. You can rebuild a house next to a volcano after it erupts, but you're not really fixing the problem there. Right. So I, I would, I, I have now transitioned back into the clinic the last two weeks. So I was doing, obviously it was hard to stop. Everything's online. Come on back in. And, and, and it's interesting. It just, it, just like anything, we were all we were all forced. We were all given lemons, if you will. And I think once we like kind of looked through all the lemons we were given, we realized some of them were oranges. They were a little bit better than we thought that they were. And it was telehealth, and you know, it has pros and cons to it. And it's fine. It's not perfect. It's just like anything else. Um, and as someone who uh, I'm a certified manual physical therapist through, through St. Augustine, that was very much the beginning of my career. And then now it's been much more movement science and kind of taking them, putting together when necessary. It was really nice. I had a patient who came in on Tuesday, came back on Thursday. And just to hear him say, and we didn't do much movement stuff. I just did a little bit of manual therapy because as I was palpating, I was just like, let me just see how this goes. Like almost like a kid with like my new toy again. And I was like, oh, I can touch people again. This is cool. Let's see how it goes. And then him coming back today and being like, hey, see, I just want to let you know, like I didn't have any pains. I didn't have any zings in my shoulder since Tuesday. And we really didn't do any movement stuff at all. We just did a like evaluation and then hands on you never want to throw that baby out with a bathwater too. Um, so it's like interesting. If you want to work with people, are you looking to create a good network of people who are like minded and set people up if they do need some manual therapy? And like, I know manual therapy has almost become this like, absolutely like, oh, it, it doesn't work. It's stupid. And just because the methods that were proposed originally appear to be garbage, doesn't mean that it doesn't have some value somewhere. And and it's been interesting for me who had kind of walked away from it voluntarily, but then had to walk away from it completely because of the pandemic and now could go back to it. You know, you kind of look back and you're like, okay, well, I, I now think I have an even better assessment of when this should be a thumbs up and when this should be a thumbs down for whatever intervention I'm looking for. So I'm excited to hear your answer on this next one. Why should everyone know their grip strength? Yeah, that's to the point you just kind of made. I think grip strength along what we touched on earlier, um, resting heart rate, all these correlates. Mm -hmm. But I think grip strength is one of the best correlates to uh, your overall longevity, your, your what the term being health span, not just lifespan. Yeah. Um, so it continues to come up as one of the best ways to look at that. And also, uh, again, we, we can go down the rabbit hole of data. Um, so when we talk about resting heart rate, there's also HRV, heart rate variability. Um, I'm sure you're familiar, but just for the listener, or you have Aura Ring that he's showing there. Um, do you, I'm curious to hear your experience with it from your background. Tell us, can you tell, can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Um, it, it is really helpful data. And I think th this is the way that I'll explain it, because I think that this is the process that most people go through you get the aura ring and it tells you that you're sometimes sleeping like shit and you're kind of like, thanks. Already knew that. 
<laughs> but then as you have it longer, and I mean like in three weeks, you start to put the pieces together. It, it, it just gives you a very honest reflection of what's going on. And, and for me, and this is like, uh, this is, for me, it was so interesting to see what drinking, I would say like even three drinks did to my HRV. And that's what I'm talking about. Like you kind of wake up if you've had three drinks and three drinks is not like a crazy amount, but that would torch my sleep. So in the beginning I was kind of like, okay, like I honestly, I sleep pretty well in general, but then you would always feel a little bit after you drink and you're like, is it that? Is it what I ate? Is it whatever? And then you look at the data and then it's like every time, every time I would have more than three drinks, my resting heart rate would be way up while I was sleeping. Like sometimes like I, I had, I had like whiskey once and my resting heart rate and I had like one whiskey drink. It was like nothing, but I, my resting heart rate when I was sleeping was like 72. And that's crazy. Typically my resting heart rate will get down to like 42, 43, 44, 45, whatever while <laughs> sleeping. Amazing. And yeah. I'm just bringing it up to like prove that like whiskey one whiskey drink trashed me that bad. And I felt fine. It wasn't like a big deal, but it's, it was real. It's really helpful for me because I've, I see coral. I saw correlations. I never had like that day. And and one of my patients just got the whoop and he's saying like, I don't think that it really, it feels like it's almost like a day off and, and I'm not entirely sure. And so for anyone who's listening is like HRV is heart rate variability to explain that quite simply is we would always kind of think that our healthy heart would be very consistent with the way that it beats, that it's no matter what's going on, I'm 60 beats per minute and it's awesome and it's like a metronome and that's wrong. That's actually showing a heart that doesn't, that's attached to a nervous system that isn't very well recovered. And a healthy and recovered nervous system is very quick on its feet. So somebody walks in, it jumps up to 72. They leave and it's all good. You're back down to 58. You got to, oh, the bus, you got to jump and you get on it. Your heart rate goes up. But then as soon as you sit down on the bus, it comes right back down. That variability or that responsiveness of your heart is a good metric to track to tell you how well you're recovered and therefore how well your parasympathetic or your rest and digest system <laughs> is in comparison to your sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight or flight, which is the tiger in the room. So Bo, what does that kick off in your mind? Well, I was going to add to that. Yeah. Uh, the thing that uh, I use the analogy is, is it's a stale, a stale heart rate to your, like, mm. again, the, the not. So the variability is looking at the difference between each single beat. So uh, it's able to, to detect that, which the technology is just coming along. So yeah, with the whoop, um, it's interesting that your buddy said, I, I did the whoop for six months. Um, oh, yeah. I got it on like a Black Friday thing, whatever. It was like buy three months, get three free or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so I played around with that. I haven't since done it um, because there's just so much data. And I think there's still uh, emerging the technology and again, the aura ring. I would love, like, I think ideally for humankind, yeah. they would put it all together and, and yeah, combine their, their efforts. Obviously, it's a competition. You know, it's a capitalist kind of thing of like who's going to be better to market i i think in my experience what i've seen is the whoop is has better overall metrics mm -hmm. from what i've seen maybe they just had a bigger sample size 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I did find that it was very accurate. I know a bunch of people that use it. Um, so, but back to the heart rate variability thing, it, and basically it gives you a readiness score. So when you wake up, it tells you, and this is what your buddy might've said, or patient said, um, that it, it feels like it's a day off. Um, but that's the thing is our body doesn't know, like we feel whatever we feel mentally, psychologically. And again, if you weren't looking at that, um, after the whiskey, you're like, I don't, I don't feel anything, but it's like driving with the emergency brake on, like your car will go. Yeah. It might not affect the performance, but you're just wearing down that brake pad because it's, it's going. Um, so until it, you know, catches on fire, um, which is what ends up happening. And that's the other thing for, for so many people. And again, in physical therapy practice of you can have these things going on inside you that we know are just not good, but you don't feel enough of a bad effect unless you look at it, unless you have someone tell you, you know, hey, like these things are not good. Like you should change these things. Um, and then now again, in this evidence-based practice thing of like manual therapy is not good that we touched on. Um, you know, there's this, this again, shift and, and seesaw push, um, where, oh, you, you can't tell patients, like they have all these things wrong with them. They come in with a, a hurt shoulder and you're like, Hey, your neck's messed up. Your hip rotation stinks. Like you have all these things, you're not breathing right. And they walk out of there like, Oh my God, I have so many things wrong with me. Um, but it's again, like it's, it's only intended to say like, this is the truth of the situation like you can't have a whiskey drink or if you do like and I, every time i say that and you say that it makes me think uh he has a whiskey drink he has a lot of drink. Like that, he has yeah. a cider drink anyway oh you um, mean a wedding song yeah uh, there you go <laughs> so <laughs> that's good um so yeah so the the whole rant there back to the variability mm-hmm. of i think of it as, as as a stale um heart so again if the if it's 1.0 1.0 1.0 1.0 to to your point about like it's good if it can go up and down like you said running for the bus and then calming down but i think that staleness is also like how ready are you which is why in the morning if your hrv is low Mm -hmm. um it says like hey maybe you shouldn't work out because it's saying like it's there's too much it's stale it's 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 in recovery mode to the nervous system component to it so uh again i think for most people who aren't super familiar and geeking out on this stuff like um I, i i think it's important that we throw these different ways to analogize it to them that they kind of get it like, Oh, okay. Like that's what heart rate variability is. Um, and, and again, maybe your friend, uh, I don't know how long he had it, but, uh, something else I found is it does take a few weeks for it to pick up the data and, and, um, give you valuable information. So the whoop, I know the first week, even it, it just doesn't give you any, uh, scores until it gets enough data. It might give you your sleep score. Um, but it doesn't give you that like readiness score that you wake up and it's like, sometimes it's in the orange, meaning like, like, yeah, you can work out. You're not in the red, but yeah. So again, all that stuff is great. But at the end of the day, there's just so many different things back to like, how are we measuring fitness? Should we be tracking and grip strength to me? Is a, back to that question is a cheaper version of heart rate variability that I think there's a bunch of different versions of this, but again, it's, it's a simple enough thing that again, you can get a, a handheld dynamometer, uh, like 20 something bucks on Amazon. Um, and again, you check that every morning, a, those are good to compare right versus left. And sorry if that's backwards for you guys, but <laughs> right versus left. And then, um, but also comparing day to day. So like you said about resting heart rate, like the same thing, like if you don't have, if you just, if I just take resting heart rate today, like I have, I, I'm working with some home health people now and, and, you know, one of them's very, um, sick. And, and, you know, when I go in there, I check her resting heart rate. It's like 113 just as she's sitting there, like, you know, cause she's dealing with a lot. Her body's at this high kind of elevated state to, to keep, keep her healthy, keep her alive. So when I go in there and it's 120, 
we're like, oh, like something's going on. So it's more than the 113. Or if it's at 103, which for most people is like, hey, like this is really bad. For her, it's actually like, hey, you're like doing really good. Like yeah. things are going well. What, you know, like you're improving by going from 113 to 103. So there's those conversations. There's putting the things into the big picture to the, again, all the different pieces. I feel like we, we keep bouncing around and circling around. That's great. And I think, I think it's important to touch on the, there are metrics, but you don't want to just be chasing squirrels every time. Like if I did that and got down on myself and, you know, was like, oh, I slept like crap and, and wasn't looking at when I ate that night, uh, what I ate that night, what my wind down routine was. Again, for me, like really this thing was like worth its price in gold just to see that like, if I have like one glass of wine, it doesn't really seem to matter. But like for me, for my body at this age, three was really changed around my sleep. And it, what's nice is if it's used the right way, it just tells you, you start to gather your data and your hunches and you can confirm or deny those hunches, which is pretty nice. Um, as far as a grip strength work, um, another thing that some people do is a space bar tap test. I'm not sure yep. if you're familiar with that. I've seen that. Again, like a quick and dirty uh, has some correlation to your HRV. Um, yeah, I've also and, seen – Interesting. Sorry, I've also seen the toe touch, the biofeedback toe touch. So, uh, again, just uh, – and again, we, I'm sure you've done the little magic trick where you roll the bottom of your foot and you can touch your hamstrings get looser and you yeah. can touch further down. But um, yeah, having that as, as a kind of easy data point of, you know, cool, I'm going to go down, I'm going to touch my toes. I only get to my ankle. Um, and then we go and, and you can actually do that one. And we've done this before with um, working out. So you're doing five sets of five deadlifts. Mm -hmm. um, and I know we're speaking to a specific population now, but I hope everyone can get that concept. But the first set you go and maybe you, you do a little too much and then you go and retest that toe touch right after. And you actually got shorter on that toe touch. That's something that's saying, Hey, maybe your nervous system is not ready. Maybe yeah. you didn't need the, the ring to do it, but, um, it's, it's that kind of biofeedback thing and working with remote clients. It's forced us to come up with these systems that I'm not there. So I'm going to give you these instructions of, I can't see you deadlifting. You can send me videos after the fact, but if you just did five sets of five and they were all bad, yeah. maybe you don't break your back, but I want you to have that, again, independence, that, that um, awareness, that knowledge of, hey, I did the five sets of five. I, I got shorter. I want you to go. That means, hey, something's wrong. Let's take the weight off the bar or let's go do some stretches or let's jump on the bike for five minutes, whatever mm -hmm. it is to reset and retest that toe touch and boom, we're back to baseline, which is, you know, at your ankles or whatever. And then, Hey, you, you go and do, you make that correction and maybe you either get back to baseline or you even go a little further mm -hmm. because your nervous system is now like, I'm liking this, which is what it should be. So in theory, again, like if, if you're doing a workout right and I programmed it right for you, as you go through your workout, you should be able to test whether it's grip strength, whether it's, um, you know, even your resting heart rate or what have you. <laughs> yeah. The tap test or any of the, any of these measures of your nervous system, uh, again, as scientists, as researchers, as, as whatever, we're only getting ways to, to better understand these things. And so, again, is the research all there yet? No. Um, similar to, again, the debate going on right now about what, what is the best medication for um, uh, COVID. You know, it's like we science is slow, but it, there's a reason there's a scientific process. But can we do some things that are going to move us in the right direction? Again, like, hey, have some vitamin C maybe there's something there. Like you're not going to hurt yourself. I don't know about, you know, drinking Drano or, or Lysol or, or hydrochloroquine or whatever. 
Um, but you know, again, not to make it political by any means, I, you know, it's just, it's just the times that we're in, but, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I think that again, understanding these tools as clinicians, as people who work with, with folks, and then again, anyone listening or anyone, um, who I'm working with, I want to make sure they have that understanding of like, what is the value of that? Like you said, for you, that's worth your weight in gold to be able to see that. Like, I know that if I drink, have a drink or however many drinks, it's going to affect my sleep. Like, I know that I know that, um, you know, I'm going to do a month sober October or whatever, where I'm not drinking at all. um, And I'm like, I'm going to take advantage of that, like, because I know that my body will do better. But at the same time, like, I still want to have a drink from time to time. So it's understanding the risk reward. um, And for you, it might be like, I really like drinking. But every time I see that it keeps me accountable. um, And can I and can I find a balance again for, you know, every time I have a drink, maybe I have a 1000 milligrams of vitamin C. And, and a whole glass of water, and maybe that'll balance it out. Um, so, you know, can we start measuring the damage that is done and then seeing the effect? So that's really the app or, or part of the thing that I want to develop is like an N equals one, meaning like you're doing an experiment on yourself. Can you put these correlations into like a little bit more formal? So when, if I tell someone, hey, maybe we should try to cut out gluten, dairy, and grain or, uh, and legumes, because those are like, that's kind of the basic paleo concept. We're going to do that for two weeks. Can, can you do that for me for two weeks? And then what are we really measuring as we reintroduce, you know, some hummus um, and, and you have some hummus and, you know, we can look at your poop. Your poop got really bad. It was good for two weeks or got better and better for two weeks. And then you had some hummus and then boom, things didn't go so well. Um, yeah. Maybe there's something there again. We, but we, we need to have these conversations. We need to keep retesting it. This is what I've been doing for myself um, for, you know, however long I can think of. And, and there's no perfect system, um, which is why we need to have these conversations, which is why, you know, Joe Rogan has so many different experts on his podcast and they all give him something different little, little by little. So um, and you can, you know, you can have them on and have them debate. And, and again, those debates back to what we talked about, you get into this like left versus right or red versus blue. And and um, can we find some middle ground? And that's the craziest thing. Um, again, and I don't I, I don't know if you saw the. Joe Rogan one where you had um, Chris Kresser, who's a functional medicine advocate, yeah. mm-hmm. um, a licensed acupuncturist. Uh, so he's in that functional medicine space um, versus the game changers um, yeah. guy. The uh, So anyway, they did a whole thing versus each other. And at the end of the day, what drove me crazy listening to it is and Kresser said it, but this guy just had to drive his point home and it had to be like a, you know, a, us versus them or him versus him. Um, but at the end of the day, they, they agree on 99% of things. And Cresser's trying to get them to be like, like, can you just give me this? That like, you know, a little bit of liver is going to give yeah. you micronutrients so that you don't have to struggle. He's like, no, animals, zero. Like, and it becomes this like, but, but like, but we yeah. agree on 99% of the same stuff. And again, like not to get political with it. And, and you know, my wife is from the Middle East. I, I, I lived in the Middle East for two and a half years. But every one of their cultures is so similar. And it's just like, oh, they have this slightly different tweak on hummus. Um, and so Egypt's hummus is better than Kuwait's hummus. Is, and, like, we have to have these arguments. It's like you guys are eating the same stuff. Like, <laughs> and it becomes like a, at some point can't we all just get along kind of thing. But, but uh, the same thing with, like, veganism versus meat eaters. And, like, can we agree that 99% of things we agree on, it's this one thing, whether it's dairy or meat or, or you know, I get that there's other implications in the Middle East. I don't want to go down that path. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, that's my ramble on that. Cool. Thank you for taking it all the way back. So why why does almost everyone breathe wrong? And I feel like this question we could dedicate an entire cast to. But t- tell me where your head goes, and I'll tell you where mine goes. Yeah. 
Um, so why they breathe wrong, I think, is, is very cultural, sociological, because um, you, you want to be breathing out through your belly. I'm going to do it now for everyone. It's just you want to breathe out and look pregnant. And, and, and you know, it's it's not sexy. And again, women, especially especially women, um, you know, they want to not have bellies. They want to ex- exaggerate their chest. Um, so breathing through the chest actually will further that whole situation. But back to the other concept that we talked about is the nervous system concept. When you're breathing up here, um, you're in that fight or flight mode. So this is stress hormones. When you breathe in your belly, you are going into rest and digest. Um, so because we're always stressed out, so like our shoulder, that's why everyone wants a, a, a shoulder rub here because we're living there. But again, you take 25,000 breaths a day on average, uh, the simple answer there. So if you're all your breaths are even, you know, I'm exaggerating a little, but that's what we see with 90 something percent of people I, I, I work with. Um, show me a deep breath. They're, they're breathing up here. Um, and so why is that again, the sociological stuff, um, no one ever taught them to breathe right. And again, you would think that we breathe better, but, um, but we're going to devolve to what is easiest. Um, if no one ever corrects those things. So, you know, again, we all kind of go into our bad habits and we go in and we're driving with the emergency brake on the whole time. Um, but it still gets us from point A to point B. It's just, it's just so much work to remove that emergency brake, um, for most people. So. Um, why, why is anyone, um, why is everyone breathing wrong? Again, uh, I was lucky enough when I played high school football at Brooklyn tech over there, uh, pretty close to where you are right, right on the same block where our buddy Richard is. Um, our football coach was also the chorus instructor. So anyone who sings, who, uh, does that, they know to breathe into their belly. He taught us this as football players, uh, back when I was in high school and I was, I'm looking back, I'm super grateful, um, for, for getting that knowledge so early on. And, uh, again, I think that it's something again, that, that if we can correct that and again, Joe, not to keep bringing up Joe Rogan, but he just had a podcast about breathing. It is such an epidemic. There's so much that we don't understand about it, but at the same time, there's so much that we do. And to your point about traditional Chinese medicine, like it's part of yogi practice. It's part of Tai Chi. Like a lot of it has to do with controlling your breath, which then controls your nervous system, which then allows you to heal better. So for anyone who's breathing wrong or, or again, I've been working with some, some lower, um, lower level, more sickly folks recently. And again, really trying to get them to breathe better um, and, and say, hey, like this is something you can control. This is something you can get better at. This is something that's going to significantly impact what your ability to heal. Um, so, so, you know, that's something that um, is always at the forefront of my thought process when I'm working with someone that, it just boggles my mind how many people breathe wrong and don't even have the, the brain to body connection. When I show them how to do it, they're, they're so um, into those hardwired bad patterns that like I can use all the different cues. Um, and again, maybe you have some different cues. I find crocodile breathing is really good. Um, mm-hmm. When you have someone lay on their stomach is, is, is one of those ones that just kind of tricks their body almost into doing it right. Gives them more feedback. However, not everyone I work with can even lay on their stomach for various reasons. Maybe they have respiratory issues. Um, maybe they're walking around with, with you know, nasal cannula on oxygen. So um, mm-hmm. sometimes when I work with folks, they, they just can't get on their stomach. So we have to keep finding ways to, to get them to learn to, to turn on their kind of stomach muscle. So, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, again, this week, now that I'm back in the clinic, um, if it happened with telehealth, you just kind of chalk it up to technology. All right, fine. But when I ask someone to breathe deep down into their groin and fill up their belly and their back, and they genuinely fill up huge through their chest, and then you ask them again, 
and then it happens again. And then you gently put your fingers kind of low around their hips and you tell them to breathe deep down. Like, you know, maybe they're just not, maybe like external cues versus internal cues, like fine, whatever it is. And they still breathe through their chest and you gently move around your fingers a little bit. And then they're still not breathing. You know, that person has a problem. Like they're trying so hard to breathe differently and they can't, they just can't because they're so patterned. And I kind of look at it through a diff, a few different ways. Like one, I think we breathe mechanically wrong for the situation, meaning there are times where maybe breathing a little bit, not even breathing up and through your chest necessarily, like it's going to happen. But I think that people don't understand how important breath is to stabilizing with intra-abdominal, um, with intra-abdominal pressure. And they miss the prerequisite that the ribs have to be stacked on top of the pelvis. Like if this two, if these two aren't talking to each other, then you're just going to dump all of your pressure out through the front. And then you're never going to get that Coke can to be full and really be stable. So I feel like that gets mentioned there. But if you're just sitting around breathing through your belly deep down in is a really good thing for like you were talking about. I feel like it's important to mention to people that the vagus nerve, which is a really long extension and the closest extension I would say that we have to your central nervous system goes right through the diaphragm. So it's your, your diaphragm is actually innervated by your phrenic nerve. Who cares? I don't even know why. <laughs> but either way, it goes through it literally mechanically. And this nerve that we'll say is between 60 and 80% calm down muscle fibers so it's more calm down than it is jack up is right there for the taking and you could literally stroke it with the way that you're breathing or you can completely not pretend like that doesn't exist and breathe up and try and pull your chest off of your lungs you may as well if you're sitting there get that good calm down loving on that vagus nerve and a lot of people don't. So now that's that. And let's take it over here. People breathe too rapidly too, significantly too rapidly. People's respiratory rates are super high. And I look at it outside the box, we'll say from two different levels to bring it back to what we're talking about resting heart rate. I think a lot of people have very low, what we call stroke volume. So to define that for anyone who's out there is your heart, that last ventricle, before it blasts that blood out into your body, it can fill more or less depending on how, to use a very simple term, stretched out it is. And in general, if you want to think of your body, let's say that your body needs 10 gallons per whatever, you can either pump out little bits of blood very rapidly, or you can have bigger pumps and have fewer of them. That's what a lower resting heart rate is. So I think that a lot of people kind of miss the mark and they're upregulating their nervous system because their nervous system sees that their heart is having to beat so fast, therefore assumes that there must be some sort of fight or flight thing going on and it upregulates the whole system. The other side of it is, and we talked in this, this is pretty easy, but the standard American diet is very heavy. Bad. Salt. It's it's very bad. No, um, but standard American diet. Sad. It's a sad oh, it's diet. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. It is appropriately named. <laughs> it's bad, and is really high in salt 
and really high in protein. Most people have animal-based proteins every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And those two things, and we can you you can talk about their benefits, but one effect that they end up having is that they will push you towards a slight metabolic acidosis. That's just normal. Like you and I learned in school, metabolic acidosis is the people that are like failing, but you can have slight metabolic acidosis. And so if that body becomes slightly acidic and just follow me with this, anyone who's listening, the quickest, your, your body is never going to let your body, your brain is never going to let your body live in an acidic state. It's going to quickly figure out a, a kind of way to get you out of that. And the quickest and dirtiest way for it to do it is to have you slightly hyperventilate. That's just how it goes down. You dump some CO2 out of the system. Your pH comes closer back to normal and all is well. But like you've explained it really well, it's like now you have this emergency break on. And that I think perhaps can also be a component of the answer to why does almost everyone breathe wrong? And it's not something you would ever put together, but it is something that I think needs to be talked about that it's, if, if your resting heart rate is super high, your respiratory rate is probably going to go with it neurologically. And if your respiratory rate goes really high, you're going to end up, unfortunately, probably feeling more stressed than you would need to. So I'm going to ask anyone out there, have any questions in the meantime, Bo, can you give us a couple of kind of closing remarks, bring it together with whatever you like, and then just tell people where they can find you. Sure. Sure. Thanks, man. And again, it's been a pleasure. I hope we uh, get to do this again. And, and I think that, um, yeah, again, we talked about getting Richard on, couldn't coordinate our times this time. So hopefully we get that, uh, three way. And, um, so one thing I, I've, I've always gone off of that I think again, connects with, and, and my wife is again, like I mentioned, a section relationship therapist, uh, as a physical therapist, physio, um, we really connected when we talk about our, our jobs, our careers on the fact that so many of the things that we see that people finally come to us for are avoidable. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and people think that, that these things are normal. Um, and that because they're whatever, they turn 40 and they have problems with X, Y, Z, we don't even need to go into details. Um, but that that's a normal part of aging. And just because something is common does not mean it is normal. I posted this kind of same rhetoric over and over again. Um, and unfortunately, again, the, some, some of this, these conversations that we're having are not as sexy, um, as we would like. Um, but I think it's important that we continue to, to, you know, drive that same message home that, again, uh, I think, uh, you know, to the, the, the quote I gave kind of not not Kelly's quote, Kelly Starrett, but it's it's the concept that, yeah, uh, or the other version of it uh, that, that Kelly said was uh, once you stop jumping, uh, you start dying. Uh, the other version of that is do we stop dancing because we get old or do we get old because we stop dancing? Um, you know, that's the more fun and make sure you do it like no one's watching. Um, <laughs> you, you seem to have no problem with that. No, um, good, man. So, <laughs> so aging is really, you know, anti-aging is definitely an area that I don't even think I, I use that term, but it's a huge component to what I'm talking about of long-term fitness 
is, is aging, but looking at it as health span, looking at it as function. Um, one thing that we didn't, when we talk about defining fitness again, is there's this curve of, of sickness, wellness, and, um, and fitness. So the more space we can get under that curve, it's like your retirement account. So, um, or in the event of a car accident or what have you, the more fitness we have, the further away from the, the sickness that we are, um, that will give us again, 90 year old us more capacity, more, uh, uh, livelihood, more health span. So, you know, there is no such thing as aging to me. Yes, there is an aging process. There are things that happen to us every day where there is damage, but we can't, if we measure it, if we can see that, Hey, I didn't sleep as great as I thought I did. Um, and maybe that's negative 10 points, you know, now I know I need to go and have a, you know, a, do a 10 minute meditation to, to, to give me plus five points. And now I'm slowing down the aging process. And maybe there is this magical food that, you know, every time I have broccoli sprouts, that's, that's helping me, you know, and I make sure I have that. Yeah. Um, so whatever it is, but yeah, I think that that's, that's one of those things that, you know, I think a lot of, again, the, 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 the talk, the title of the talk is the healthcare system is so bad. Um, you know, and we can debate Medicare for all and, and these inequalities that are out there and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, we need to keep coming up with tools and being providers of things that are going to help people avoid diabetes, avoid chronic heart disease. Um, can we talk? We talked about the modified Cooper test. Yeah, like I love that test uh, mm -hmm. or Cooper test. So 12 minutes, how far can you go? Like there's no getting around that. That fits into the system of your capacity. Maybe running is not the best thing for you. So we do that on a bike in a six minute format. We also look at your heart rate. How high does your heart rate go? It gets up to 180. And you know, then you cover this distance in the first minute or two minutes, how much does it come down? So if it goes from 180 and we want to see a drop of 40 beats um, over, or 60 beats over the course of two minutes as you recover, um, how quickly does it recover? So these are correlates to your health. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different correlates, your triglycerides, your, your cholesterol, um, that again, can be misunderstood. But if we continue to have these conversations, okay, cool, your, your heart rate, your, your cholesterol is a little off. Um, don't go on that statin though, because that statin comes with risks. Let's try these other things to improve that. Your movement capacity is not where it needs to be. Maybe it's because you have the emergency brake on and you're not squatting well, you're not hinging well, you're not pushing or pulling well. Um, so I got a little thing popping up. Hopefully that's not messing things up, but, um, anyway, I guess I'll, that's a good sign to, to wrap it up there. Hopefully that yeah, makes and are, sense. are you more of a newsletter guy an Instagram guy, a Facebook guy? Oh, yeah. So come find me. Sorry. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so Instagram is probably the easiest way. Uh, Dr. Boba Banco, D R B O B A B E N K O. I'm guessing it'll be somewhere in the notes or wherever. Um, and then, yeah, um, I've been wanting to do my own newsletter and, and honestly, I just, I just, you know, I, you guys are doing so well and you're, you guys have one of the best newsletters I've ever seen. I always enjoy, um, you know, getting them and Richard and I actually always send them back and forth. Like, Hey, did you see this one? This, this oh. is the thing that we were talking about. Sometimes we're all on that same wavelength and things like that. So, oh, we did get a question there. Well, um, I'm going to ask it to you. This is exciting. Right. So. <laughs> Grace would like to know, what would you say are your top three basic life skills that, fo that folks should be focusing on during this time of COVID? Ooh, I'm going to answer that too, but you have to answer it first. Breathe, breathe better, sleep better, and take this time to connect more. So that's one of those other elements of, of fitness that, and this is the time to reflect on that. And, and again, especially those of us in, in situations where 
um, you know, we, we take things for granted. Um, I think that the gratitude practice is something mm -hmm. that, again, um, you know, we should be grateful for. And, and um, you know, again, we're very fortunate where we are. Um, you know, our landlord lowered our rent. Again, we have the financial flexibility. Um, mm -hmm. I'm able to keep working with people. I was very fortunate that I've been working with people for, for a while before uh, all this started online. So I feel like I'm very well equipped to work with people online. Whereas a lot of people were like, Oh, I got it. I got a shift and going to jump into telehealth. So anyway, but, but it's a great time. And again, I, I found that I, I got a lot of value out of reconnecting with a lot of people. And I don't know what that is. That was a ding. Was that, did you hear a ding? Oh, that's right. <laughs> but I, I found a lot of value for connecting with people. Yeah. So yeah. So breathe better, sleep better um and and um connect better yeah and grace i'm gonna answer the same question i'm gonna answer three but i'm gonna answer it sneakily so i actually give you four answers so the, for me i feel like we're all looking for the golden snowball um that thing that's gonna get it going uh that's a cosgrove Stateism, not uh i didn't make that one up but i wish i did it's brilliant so for me the three and to, to, to bring this back to our beginning, Bo, when you're having some trouble, it was our foundations of health are hydration, diet and digestion, sleep, stress, exercise, ergonomics, which is really patterns, breathing and connection. If I have a gun to my head and it's the exact question, Grace, that you just asked, I feel like diet and digestion is so important. And that is achieved by doing removal and reintroduction diets. Um, don't just go look up your latest guru's recommendation on that. Treat your diet and digestion as an experiment to try and get your gut health as good as it possibly can be. And then you can start talking about macronutrients. So diet and digestion, uh, stress management, which involves mindfulness and meditation practice, along with speaking to someone who is professionally trained if it is necessary, and then exercise. And mo everyone on here probably is getting their 22 to 44 minutes of exercise per day, uh, a little bit less if you're doing more rigorous stuff, whatever it is, but that's huge. But I will say that all three of those may be so important because they all affect your sleep. So I don't know which one of those three is going to be the golden snowball for you, but all of them may make this, which maybe is like the golden snowball is actually, if you can sleep better, then that's going to be what gets it going. But either way, those are my three. But where's your mind go with that before we sign off? <laughs> I keep hearing golden snowball and I, I keep thinking of uh, don't eat the yellow snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I totally agree with that. And I, I think that uh, hearing you talk about it, the, the life skill, that uh, to Grace's question specifically that I think uh, might be more be willing to learn mm -hmm. like however we would phrase that on the spot. That's the best kind of phrasing. Maybe we, we play around with that, but get a coach. I think that that is like, we, we all need a coach um, and that kind of thing. So maybe that sneaks in there and, and knocks one of the other ones out. So again, I, like, and maybe the, the global one is like, the basic life's golden snowballs in your city. Uh, maybe it's, it's maybe the, the big, picture there is again this like physical health becomes one of those three things of like you know go on that movement practice go on the journey of health so whether that's a life skill or not or again that might be the cheating answer mm -hmm. to allow us all the other things but yeah again the, the kind of social um the the physical 
and then those like habit based things. So learn how to build habits maybe becomes yeah. the, the, the life skill. Um, not just again, the specifics of yeah, sleep better, work out more, like you said. So a lot of those things, um, that'll be my revised three. So I do, I, it's a great question, Grace. And, and again, I loved your answer, Steven. And, 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 uh, yeah, hopefully that, that kind of makes sense. But I, I, I like that change for sure of like the life skills being, yeah, just look. And, and it's something, again, I think I'm super frustrated with going in at all online on Twitter or Facebook is, is just the scientific literacy is missing when people start, you know, spouting. And yeah, we're, we, again, we don't have to go down the rabbit hole, but it is the time we're living in. Yeah. And breathe into the belly. <sighs> breathe into the Utah, belly. Utah, Captain. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bo. This has been great. Thank you to our audience. Thanks, everyone, for coming out for Fireside 5. And thank you for being part of a movement towards movement. We'll see you next time, okay?